What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D. And with me tonight is my friendly neighbor and friend, Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac. That's me. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language, but that's not really our style over here at the Pantheon Companion, mm-hmm. so we'll try to keep it, what do you say, uh, Mr. PG-13. PG-13. Mild language and maybe... Artistic nudity. That is correct. Maybe just a little bit. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that being said, tonight we'll be talking about Pantheon nomination number one for, for- season five. 2020! Won't You Be My Neighbor? Nominated by Brad Hawkins McBoom. Sir. With guest voter Robert Lane. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a a video lander. I've been told. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Uh Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? Uh, Pantheon, uh, in Adventures in Video Land, Pantheon is the hall of movies that you should watch. But in order to get there, Pantheon is a movie that fires on, we've said this before, all cylinders from casting, directing, cinematography, the script, the acting, special effects, music, all of the things. Essential viewing. Essential viewing. Now, it, it also we uh, we like we we also say that it it is best of its genre. Best. If it is a genre movie, then yeah. it is the best of its kind. You know, if it's a action adventure movie, then yeah. it should be one of the best or yeah. the best in the action adventure. Karate movie, yes, yeah. a karate uh, movie, a rom com. Uh, how about space opera? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Um, so that leads us into tonight. Where we're talking about something which uh, wouldn't be normally classified with your typical uh, cinema experience of just going out and watching a Marvel blockbuster, but we're looking at a documentary. A documentary! And so we're going to be looking at this as best of its genre as a documentary. So we looked at a documentary at the beginning of last season. I'm sure that'll come up later. Yep, no, it comes up right now. Actually. Oh, right now. Yeah, it's that last year when we started the Pantheon Companion series. Our first talk hmm. last year about this time was uh, Dear Zachary, a yeah. letter from his father to his son. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, that did not get in. No. Voted in, and we didn't think it would get in Yeah, either. we thought it wouldn't. But... That that movie, like, that documentaries could get in, but just not this one, but a movie that you might want to consider, and we actually mentioned the movie we're looking at tonight, is Won't You Be My Neighbor. Wow, well there you are, see? So there's an example of one that might make it past the bar. So here's the deal. Uh, Mr. Miggity Mac and myself don't really uh, have any say on the council itself because no. pantheon is 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 done by a council of nine individuals and they uh, do a write-up on the movie 500 words each uh, one of them one of them nominates a movie that the rest do a write-up and then they vote yay or nay whether that they should think it should be in right then there's a guest voter. there's a guest voter which is this time robert lane and then also there is a facebook poll 
And the Facebook poll is all the video landers that get to vote yes, no, if they if they think it should get in. Mm-hmm. And that counts as one vote. Altogether, 11 votes, and you need a two-thirds majority. I'm Which not good at math, but Mr. Seven. Mac, math means that is seven. seven. So it needs seven votes to get in. Seven of 11. So uh, last year, when we chimed in on this, and by the way, this year... Both you and I are going to be guest voters. We are. Next time, so the next nomination I'm on for the fifth one. You're I'm on, on the fifth movie, yeah. Um, and then I'm also, uh, this year, I'm, I'm me, myself, uh, Dr. Diamond Doug, is, uh, I'm functioning as the floater. So if somebody has to drop out. Yeah, if they, if they cannot <clears throat> fulfill the requirements of their role. Yeah, if they can't fulfill their marital counsel duties duties then, then you're going to just I jump right step in right in as and the good take guy care of business so uh you and i uh as we talked through the movies last year you and i didn't always agree on whether or not we a movie should get in correct many times we did but we didn't always agree correct uh sometimes we got our vote right with the council we said that won't get in or that will and the council we were right uh, and mm-hmm. then there was a couple of times when we were wrong. I think I was right once. And there was a uh, there was at least one time when we were both in agreement with each other, but horribly wrong. Way wrong. <coughs> Life Aquatic. <coughs> <coughs> and then uh, this year. Yeah. And uh, and then we had a nomination at the end of last year as we the did. guest nomination, but uh, we were convinced it was going. Well, we wanted to get Robin Williams in. Zoom. So uh, so we, 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 we nominated Goodwill Hunting. That did not get in. Nope. So so even though we give insights on the council, we're not necessarily... We, we aren't on the council, and we don't always speak with the voice of the council. Correct. And the council may or may not even actually <clears throat> listen to what we say or take our opinions uh, as far as when they make their choices. Yeah. So the insight that we give is actually just insight into the movie and if somebody uh, wants to listen to what we say, they might agree with us, they yeah. might not. But they might also learn something about the movie that they would never have known before. That's yeah. pretty much our function, yeah, is to make it. sure that the, the movie has been explored. That's right. So, uh, as a little bit of foreplay to the discussion yes. tonight, yes. and um, I was just wondering, uh, because... Won't You Be My Neighbor is a documentary that focuses on the, the life and impact of Mr. Rogers. Yeah. He is known as a, an epitome of kindness. Uh, that is, that it, like, kind is the word that just comes to mind when you think of him. Not just the character from the show, but the actual man. And they are, in essence, one and the one same. One and the same. So, for you, who, um, who, like, who are... Models of kindness uh, in your life, growing up, uh, right. or, or throughout your life, whatever. Uh, models of kindness in your life, people that you look to as your role models for kindness. Well, two. I can think of two right off the bat. One, uh-huh. uh, we all called her uh, an aunt, but actually, she was just a very close family friend, my grandmother's very close family friend, and I always looked to her uh, or saw her as a model of kindness. Her her name was Betty. Uh, I loved her very much and didn't really realize what her influence was in my life until, as is true with many, many, many people in your life, you don't realize what kind of influence they had till much later. Mm-hmm. The other model of kindness in my life uh, growing up was uh, my stepfather, okay. who 
although he married my mom when I was 13 and I was kind of a jerk of a kid and a young adult. You can't help it at 13. No, well, but I could have helped it old when I was older, but I was just a jerk. <laughs> the point is this man never stopped, um, you know, doing the, the kind thing. Never. Not, not ever. Even if he was angry with me for whatever reason, uh, he was always there. However, overshadowing these two and first and foremost and up front in my life has been my uncle, my mom's brother. Uh, he, I've looked up to him as a father figure, as a role model. I mean, the, the guy, even if he's upset, will always do the kindest thing. And uh, anybody who is friends with me on Facebook, you've, you might have seen a few times I've posted about him, generally around his birthday. Uh, he and I share a birthday. And uh, so, my Uncle Earl, he's mm -hmm. he's definitely there. How about you? Well, uh, so I have just one name that comes to mind from uh, my life and family, and that's my grandma on my dad's side, Grandma Agnes, mm -hmm. uh, who was... Um, Agnes means comes from the word lamb, and it, the name was apropos because she was as gentle and kind as a lamb. Throughout her life, her kindness was un, almost without fail unbending. Yeah, um, and, and it was just it, it 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 was it was almost heavy. You know, her kindness right. was so grand and consistent that you felt. It when you went into her presence. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is Mr. Rogers a big part? Was was it a big part of your life growing it was up? A big part of my youth, my very younger life. I probably stopped watching him in my early teens. Uh, but yes, my younger, my, my my younger youth, I definitely watched Mr. Rogers on a regular basis. It was one of three shows that I watched on a regular basis. Yeah, when you have two channels, there aren't that many choices. Yeah. So, and, and when I grew up, uh, however, that, that there he was. Uh, I watched a, a bunch of Mr. Rogers as sure. well because uh, I grew up, you know, with uh, just a few channels and and then PBS and uh, right and, and that and it was on PBS all the time. Right. So um, yeah, so I grew up with him uh, and didn't think much about him until another later show. on in life. <laughs> and right. then uh, as I ref as he got older and I got older and then we reflected back on Mr. Rogers. He, he has become a much bigger part of my life now right. than he even was when I was a child. As a role model or as Just a memory? Like, as a, as a, all of it. Okay. So even, even as a child, yeah, it was important. Sure. But for now, it's a, um, like, it's impactful on a way that is even heavier and weightier for right. me. Um, I think this conversation that we'll have tonight is kind of like, um, uh, in the culture that we're in, that there's so many people, so many times that we've hero worshipped people who are out there, and you say they're so great, there's, you know, they're wonderful, they're this, they're that, sure. celebrities, and then they start falling one at a time, boom, 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 boom. boom. Whether uh, it's from a hashtag yeah. movement or just stupid stuff yeah. they did like, or an I arrest mean, or whatever, yeah. More important in my life in terms of like a role model from TV growing up would probably sure. be Bill Cosby yeah, in my are. own life yeah, of just the Cosby show. And then and you then, find out. Right? And then it's like, oh, we got bad news about Bill Cosby. Yeah. And then like, we got bad news about this and bad news you know, about that. There's a separation there. You know, Bill Cosby, for example, 
the that 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 feeling that I always had about him, it was about a character yeah, he played, yeah, yeah. and he was really good at playing that character. Well, you can't really completely separate the character from the man, yeah, or the or the, or the actor. Uh, but but in in Mister Rogers' case, there really wasn't a separation, yeah. and we'll talk about it tonight. But many of the characters from his show were elements of him. Yep, in and all different aspects. So, but even still. I, I would feel that many people who start looking into the life of Mr. Rogers or want to see a documentary on Mr. Rogers, they want the dirt. They like, do. T- like, show me he's not as good as he is because life is rotten and I want to be confirmed that life is rotten. Yeah, this is the wrong movie for you. And this is the wrong movie for you because, uh, spoiler, he's great. He's not rotten. Yeah. Well, it wasn't rotten. All right, so mo- some movie facts right, for on. you. Uh, this movie uh, dis- <laughs> is rated PG-13, interestingly Interestingly enough. <laughs> enough. Not only is it rated PG-13, it's only rated PG-13 because some of the people who surrounded him and the way they talked about their life experiences, it has nothing to do yeah. with him. No. It's everyone else. It'd have been rated G if it was yeah. just him. So this is uh, it's it's a documentary directed by Morgan Neville. Um, no screenplay to speak of because it, it it's a uh, uh, a documentary mm-hmm. um, produced by Morgan Neville, Karen Capitosto, Nicholas Ma. Music by Jonathan Kershke. Cinematography by Graham Willoughby. Edited by Jeff Malmberg and Aaron Wickenden. Um, all people who are associated with this documentary company, uh, uh, Tremolo, that put this out um, in theaters. Uh, so I went to Sundance on January 19, 2018, about two years ago. Went to the U.S. market on June 8 of that year. Uh, it runs about 93 minutes, so it's not a terribly long movie. Yeah, I noticed 93 minutes, probably was six or seven minutes of that was either the... The introductory graphics uh, and and some of the post credit stuff. Yeah. I would say it's a Hour solid a eighty minute movie yeah, to watch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tremolo Productions, distributed by Focus Features, um, and in, it doesn't have a cast per se, but it does nope. feature yep. uh, Fred Rogers, his wife, his kids, the the center for Fred Rogers, whatever that is, mm-hmm. the curator, um, and then. Characters from his show, yeah, uh, Francois Clement. and uh, Joe Negri, uh, you know, Mr. McFeely, Yo-Yo and, Ma, um, one of his stagehands, uh, uh, and then uh, some people that he impacted his life. Uh, mm-hmm. Yo-Yo Ma uh, is included in this because a conversation with Morgan Neville about uh, the impact of his life kind of in uh, prompted the movie uh concept to like, mm-hmm. like we should look into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a synopsis is that... The filmmaker, Morgan Neville, examines the legacy of Fred Rogers, the beloved host. This is from Wikipedia, which is as good as any uh, synopsis of it. A beloved host of popular children's television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So it's a look into his life and how um, uh, how truly radical he was in terms of the kindness that he projected into the world and as a person and in the show. Isn't it interesting? If you, if you watched a movie and someone said, it's about this person and how truly radical they were, you'd think it was Amy Winehouse yeah. or, or something like that. It's, it's Fred Rogers. Yeah. And uh, uh, this look into his life and the, the radical component you're talking about, I'm sure we'll get to, but it, it, there were some things in this that I wasn't aware that he had that dramatic national effect that he had. Yeah. And holy smokes, did he ever. 
So uh, walk us through some of the ratings. Sure, sure. On IMDb, you got an eight point four out of ten. By the way, all for all of the ones that you're going to read, IMDb, yep. Metacritic, Rotten Tomato, Google, mm-hmm. they are almost identical to Saving Private to Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Almost on every single yep. one of them. Absolutely. This one got better in uh, several categories. Metacritic got an eighty-five universal acclaim. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-eight percent. Fresh, obviously, with a ninety-four percent audience score. Google, 94% liked it. Uh, yeah. How about a review? How about something maybe uh, from Roger Ebert? So uh, we often uh, hear, uh, we start off with, uh, and this is for anybody who's jumping in for the Pantheon Companion series, is that we'll run through a couple of reviews from different sites just to see what different people say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ebert site, which now Ebert's gone, but sure. uh, Odie Henderson uh, wrote this, gave it a three and a half out of four stars. And... Um, <clears throat> she writes, many years ago I'd come home from my Wall Street job uh, agitated, upset, I was stressed out, worn out, miserable beyond measure. I absent-mindedly turned on the television and went into the kitchen to make dinner. For some reason my TV was on PBS and I could hear Mr. Rogers talking from the other room. I stood in my kitchen listening to this message, which I of course should have already known as an adult, and I started to cry. And I tell you this because I had the same reaction at the end of Won't You Be My Neighbor. I sat in the critics' screening room holding my notepad up to my face so that nobody would know I was sobbing. Which, you were just telling me, you had a similar reaction. Uh, And uh, and I will tell you, I did as well. And Brad, uh, when he wrote up his, uh, said the same thing. Now, someone like me... Uh, whose childhood memories of Mr. Rogers involved rumors, rumored mass murder sprees. <laughs> yes, Vietnam War could, veteran. Could have this reaction. You can only imagine what this film will do to you if you've always loved the man. Bring Kleenex, lots of it. All right, from Rotten Tomato, what do you got? Well, uh, Rafer Guzman from Newsday rated it fresh, a poignant tribute to the mild-mannered father figure who served as moral compass to generations. How about uh, Adam Graham from the Detroit News, also fresh. Won't You Be My Neighbor doesn't deify Rogers, uh, but it makes a strong argument that as a neighbor, he was one of a kind. And one thing I'd like to point out about that, we've been talking about Mr. Rogers. Like, he was this great guy. He really was a great guy. But he's such an amazing guy. He has all this effect. And it does start to sound like we're... like putting him up on this giant pedestal someone's going to knock the pedestal down and i think this particular review points out the movie's not saying he was the second coming of christ or something it's saying it's a really nice guy he really was a really nice guy he just wanted to share that and he wasn't weird or creepy or anything else he just was a straight up nice guy that they really exist so on the Rotten Tomatoes page, there's 236 critics, mm-hmm. and there was only five of those uh, paid critics that had a rotten score. There was five. T- 12 pages of reviews, and I had to like scroll through all of them. There were five rotten. Five, and all the rotten reviews were in the 6.67 range. Mm-hmm. Maybe a C. One gave like a C plus. So they weren't like Fs, but they were right. kind of like middling. Right. Um, and what was it they thought was so, so horrible? And all of them, almost to a key, uh, to you know, to a, uh, a key, a T. Yeah, right. Wanted to it. something darker. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they wanted, they wanted the dirt. Man. Again, they wanted someone to knock the pedestal uh, out from under the man. C.J. Prince, the Cinessential, 
and this was the harshest one I could find, said, rather than find ways to explore Roger's issues with depression, insecurity, and isolation growing up as a child, mm. he utilizes animated sequence that show a young Rogers played by a puppet, Daniel Tiger. Tactics like this are lazy and simplistic. <laughs> Must uh, not have actually watched the movie. No, I watched that and I was like, that's a fantastic way. It's perfect. To, to, because it, it shows, and they talk about this in the movie, that there's this separation between reality and imagination, uh, even in the television show. And they, the did, that the show the, they did that in the documentary, where you yes. have the reality and then the imagination of the back, you know, remembering. By comparison, by comparison, uh, from a year ago in Dear Zachary, they went from live action, live action, live action to an almost uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail mouth moving scene with the judge yeah. mouth uh, anime. It was the, so weird it and was jarring. And, but but by comparison, fading over from live action to the to the uh, to the cat, which was artistically drawn by a by a you know like yes. A, yeah. But not just that, they had already made a connection that all all the people around Fred Rogers believed that when he talked with Daniel that puppet, the tiger. Daniel the Tiger, it was actually him talking. Yeah. So the artistic cat, I, yeah, whatever. we can disagree with Mr. Prince. Sure. Or, or so Prince, uh, anyway. here's a couple other, and I, 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 I pulled these out of the, the Metacritic reviews, mm. um, which uh, many of these overlap with the Rotten Tomato because they're they're just pulling from critics. Sure. Uh, Anne Hornaday from the Washington Post, which Metacritic rates this as a 100 out of 100. Neville has created a film that operates both as a dewy-eyed nostalgia trip and stirring appeal for civility. Yeah, Michael Phillips from the Chicago Tribune, uh, that was rated 88 from 100. Without undue fawning, Neville's moving portrait does a lovely job of presenting Rogers as two people, the public figure and the private one, <laughs> sharing the same closet full of zip-up sweaters. I like that line. I do too. That's a great line. Um, so there was, of the of the critics, uh, and there was, uh, I don't know, it was at 40 or so. Or, sure. Um, there was two mixed. Daniel Schindel, uh, film stage uh, they rate this as a 50, and uh, I pulled this one out because it kind of speaks to maybe some reasons that, as a documentary, he didn't like it. So, sure. Um, that the film can easily coast on sentimentality and nostalgia for emotion, and does so frequently and unabashed, which is frustrating since there are glimpses of a more complex human being throughout the film, one who would have made a much better subject. I have to say, I can't argue with this review, I think they could have spent less time, my opinion only, they could have spent less time with how he made this particular TV show and more time on him. But he was a very private person. He was. And, and I do feel that they did, they they didn't gloss over it. No. They were, they, they were glimpses and looks. Yep. And there were times where they did, like, they highlighted the fact that he, a man of the cloth who had lived a life of kindness, wasn't sure if... Everything he had done over the whole course of his life was enough to 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 label him as a sheep versus a goat who would be selected for heaven versus right. hell. Right, right. Um, or or the fact that he wrote about his uncertainty, or, or you know, like right. so. So it wasn't that they were hiding any of this stuff. No, I just feel like maybe they people like this wanted them to lean more into that because again, they wanted a darker version. That maybe so. Yeah. Um, 
So from the hoi polloi. All right. Uh, we've got our first up is Shpostal. Shpostal. Meta, these are our Metacritic Hoi Polloi regular reviewers. He gives it a 10. I never watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as a kid, kind of like Brad. Uh, I knew he was an extraordinary man, full of love for children, frankly, mankind, uh, and was determined to get the message across to as many kids as possible that they were loved, unique, and capable of anything they wanted to be. And the movie was great. <laughs> like, it yeah. goes on from there. It goes but, on, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Q gave it a four. And this was one of the few, this was the only mixed review that I From find the posted on the site. I tried to find negative reviews. They must have been just profane or nonsense. Or so they didn't even post them. down the list or something. Maybe, or yeah. people had downvoted them so much. or I don't, I don't know so. how it works, but I couldn't even find them. But this was the, uh, this was the one that I could find. So Q gave it a four uh, out of ten. The biographical, the biographical elements that might have made the movie much more interesting are conspicuously absent from this biographical documentary. Moviegoers leave the theater having viewed a worshipful account of the adult professional life of an apparently virtuous but frankly downright weird character whose most salient characteristic was being so consistently strange that other people found him disarming. And I, I find the review jarring. Because I don't know how to react. To well, that. the first the first yeah. part almost sounds like they were like, "Where was the part about him being a a, a, a sniper?" Yeah, uh, and and w- w- where was that? I know that's a fact. Except they did address some of those things. You know, they yeah. said there's a rumor he did this. Nope, never there. There was a rumor he did this. Nope, never there. There's I know there was a rumor, and I don't think they mentioned it in the movie. I don't recall them mentioning it that he was that he was defrocked. Yeah, but that's also not the case. Not the case. So yeah. So, uh, although so, we like to uh, lean on this particular Hoi Polloi reviewer... Right, where is he? Um, what did he, he say? I, I don't think he was around for Dear Zachary either. Who's Who are we talking about again? We are talking about the one, the only... Spangle! Spangle! Nope, no, no Spangle. No Spangle this time, but Spangle, folks, you are falling down the job. Listen for Spangle. He will show up sometime this year. Uh, instead, we've got Scott, w, Scott RW04... And I, I leave this as the, that final review there. Uh, this is a profoundly beautiful, smart and balanced documentary about a man who lives up to his legend. Anyone who grew up on Mr. Rogers will be in tears or misty-eyed from the start to finish. And it is a happy cry. Uh, I pulled some uh, some from the Conversation on Adventures in Videoland Facebook site. I pulled a couple uh, of quotes here mm-hmm. uh, from some, what the people were writing about. Um, right. The first one, who do we have there? Oh, Scott. Uh, Herdliska. Herdliska, yeah. And again, this is a, these are uh, Avengers of Videoland Facebook folks. So, Videolanders. Scott says, should have been nominated for Best Picture. Maybe should have won. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, I have one here from Zach Brown. Mr. No! Captain Captain No! no. Vote yeah. for Team No! <laughs> uh uh, Gary, Mr. Miggity Mac, yeah. and, and myself uh, have, have come to calling him Captain No. Captain he, No. We've seen him say no quite a lot, except for Princess Bride, which he loves. Which he, yeah, which, which he loves. I agree with and him. And I agree with him on that. But uh, so what did Captain No say? He said, in a word, no. no. <laughs> 
Well, so he's he's on point. He's on brand for that. Mildly interesting, he says. Yeah, mildly interesting. Perhaps worth a watch. Nothing earth-shattering. It's only a movie to put on when you need to fall asleep. The message is obvious to the point of paternalistic. There's nothing pantheon about it in any category. So, mm. Zach wasn't a fan. Uh, Alessio Pasquale, who, uh, contrary and uh, alternatively to Zach Brown, we could rightly call Captain Captain Yes. yes. Uh, what did he say? He says... Uh, in a word, yes. Yes. Okay. Actually, that was the only word he wrote. Yeah, he yes. just, just said yes. Yeah, he just not said even yes. in a word. There was just uh, a word. Seth Fisher says, I cried, but I'm not sure it's Pantheon. You know, Seth is a thoughtful... Uh, maybe uh, maybe he's talking about uh, his cry. diverse. His cry was not Pantheon. Maybe the movie's Pantheon. That's what I was his, thinking. He just His so, cry was not Pantheon. Seth, we know yeah. what you really meant, yeah. so we'll express it for you. And, uh, Seth is yeah, saying yeah, yes. No, he's 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> April Hawkins uh, says that Won't You Be My Neighbor is Pantheon, not because of the content of Fred Rogers' character, but because it is well shot and pieced together. There you go. So now we're looking at direction, cinematography, the script. This, we'll yeah. call it the script. You know, so a, a documentary may not have per se a script, but a documentarian lays out their story arc. A through line. That through line, and uh, that's what she's referring to, is yeah. that it's through line is well crafted. All right. Uh, walk us through some receipts. Here. All right. So I picked a few movies to compare it to. Uh, all three were documentaries. But Won't You Be My Neighbor, 2018, uh, box office, domestic box office, 22.8 million foreign box office you'll never guess 9.8 thousand 9.8 thousand 9, nearly 10 grand uh, and i would <laughs> this is not too surprising i think they even made a comment about this in the movie or something that would relate to this in the movie because there was a person i don't recall who they were talking to it was from perhaps england or or somewhere in europe and they were like i don't i didn't know who doc, i don't know who this guy was yeah. until i became involved <clears throat> I became involved with them. So, I get that international international numbers. How much was the production budget? <coughs> it is unlisted. Yeah, you couldn't find it? I searched and searched and searched. Okay. I'm sure someone will find it and they'll say, it was this. I couldn't find it. I did spend quite a bit of time looking for it in all I my normal resources. I bet it resources. was less than $22 million. Though. I'm thinking it was probably in the 2 to yeah, 10 so they probably made some good money on it. There was a comment by one of the filmmakers. I don't remember if it was a director or not. And they said... We were thinking if we hit 10 million box office, it's a home run. So I'm going to say their budget was less than 10 million. Okay. All right. Uh, butts and seats index. We have trademarked this, by yeah, the way. Trademarked. The, uh, the paperwork Pantheon has companion. come through. Yep. The average ticket price in 2018 was $9.11. So quick little math there. This sucker has a butts and seats index of $2.5 million. For a documentary. Yeah, for a documentary, that's actually good. In fact, the $22.8 million box office uh, broke a bunch of records. It's yeah. number two uh, historically, even adjusted for inflation of all uh, of all documentaries. Okay. So it did pretty good for a documentary. By comparison, Bowling for Columbine. Uh, and this is one that actually beat the crap out of it. Uh, 2002 movie. 2002 domestic gross 21.6, but internationally 37 million for okay. well over 50, almost 60 million dollar uh, at the box office. Average ticket price 2002 was five dollars eighty cents. So a butts of seats index of 3.7 million. You'd think it would be a lot more, 
but uh, as it works out domestically, it's ba- basically it's very close to the same. Last year's movie, Dear Zachary, Dear Zachary. Two, 2008 film, mm-hmm. had a domestic gross of uh, of eighteen thousand dollars, eighteen thousand three hundred dollars, eighteen thousand three hundred dollars. I think they did well. Average ticket price of seven dollars and eighteen cents. So a BSI, and I think this is the lowest BSI that we've seen here of two thousand five hundred and forty nine. Yeah, 2,500 people saw that movie. Rounded up to a million is one million. One million. One uh, million people. But, uh, yeah. Amy, uh, I mentioned Amy Winehouse earlier, a documentary about Amy Winehouse, came out in 2015. I thought this was probably one of the closest direct comparisons because it's dealing with another famous character. Uh, 2015 domestic uh, gross was 8.4 million, 15 million internationally. Uh, average ticket price in 2015 was $8.43. Uh, so, Butts and Seats Index is uh, 100000 Well, there you go. Math. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry for the little pause. I was just thinking to myself, I wonder what the Butts and Seat Index for cats is. I think and how it compares to Won't You Be My Neighbor. I think the Butts and Seats Index for cats so far is seven. <laughs> I want I want to see that movie so bad. Just to see what all the fuck was about. I want to watch that movie in its full glory and go, oh my goodness, what were they thinking? I saw Cats uh, at Purdue in Elliott Hall and halfway through said, oh my God, I saw this in Chicago and was breathless and right now I'm bored out of my mind. And so if that they... was back in your drug phase in Chicago, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> like... I loved it. But but uh, but but uh, I I I think the problem with the movie is that they they lean so heavily on the special effects. Yeah, well they try to and they they lean on it, but the banister's broken. Yeah, that's a problem. All right, so we're gonna do a little bit. Of, so now that we've talked about all the all right. receipts and every what everybody else is talking, this about, is you, the mechanical details we've yeah. talked about about the movie. So you and I now are gonna do our own deep dig into the movie, um, and this this is. Uh, Brad's nomination, and, and uh, as a tradition that started to develop last year, is that council members, when they nominate the movie, and then we come and sit down and talk they give about us this, bribes. That they give us bribes. That I, I don't even know why. I think they you call them like, gifts. Yeah, they they, I mean, they say gifts. And I'm that's quite happy stuff. to receive. Yeah. I think that's amazing because it, it for me personally, all joking aside, it connects me to the experience of talking about the movie. It is, and I like that quite. And, a bit. and I I have my. Saving Private Ryan, uh, dog tags hanging up in my car. And in my uh, office I've at got home my is life my hard aqua- hat. I've got my Life Aquatic red cap I still wore that around. outside to shovel snow. Yep. So, like, it, it's it's good stuff. So, so we have some stuff on the table here right here. Here is the first one right here. This is a special edition Newsweek rev- uh, 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 edition of Mr. Rogers. It has his beautiful face along with his kitty, 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 kitty tiger yes. right there. And it says, Mr. Rogers, his life, his legacy, and the virtues of everyone's favorite neighbor. There's also a little bit in here about Tom Hanks and his version, which is a different movie, not the movie we're reviewing. Uh, but there's a, a whole lot of stuff in here about uh, this. My daughter gave me a Newsweek special about Santa Claus, because I have a personal infatuation with Santa Claus. But uh, and I, this one and that one will go side by side for sure on my office shelf. Yeah. Cause I and I'm going to tell you what, normally I don't cry when I read Newsweek, but I have a feeling that I, uh, I'm, this is going to be the time. Uh, we so also have... There is a red bag... Oh, this says uh, from Red, Red Bubble. Bubble. Oh, 
Redbubble. That's our favorite yeah. swag company. Yeah, they they design many cool things. And Redbubble, if you're listening, uh, and we you're looking, you. and you're looking to go ahead and sponsor a uh, podcast, uh, this would be the one. Yeah, because we love your stuff, man. Redbubble, check them out. So here we go. I pulled these out. Uh, I have a folded T-shirt. I don't know what's on it yet. I can see a forehead and a hairline that looks familiar. Uh, I'm but guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna unfold this and let you describe what you see in all of its glory. <laughs> it what do is, you see? It is Fred Rogers, and he is holding Thor's hammer because he is worthy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the trolley. Uh, he's fun. got Thor's hammer. This looks like some photo shirt I might have seen somewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure. Do you know anyone who may have created this graphic? I did, I did not create this graphic. Okay. My friend so. Triple D here is uh, an expert at that sort of thing. Yeah. This is beautiful. Have Thank to, you. We'll have to ask Brad where this came from. The later. graphic. The yeah. graphic. And Maybe whether, Brad drew it himself. And whether he has a license on the yeah. artwork to make shirts out of it. So, but this is pretty cool. So a, a, I'm going to wear this to teach classes next week at Purdue. A sincere and heartfelt... Thank you to Brad Thank Hawkins. You. Thank the, the, you, Brad. As he nominated this one, he uh, this has a, an awesome AV twist to it. So his uh, so here's from his nomination, just All so right. that we get his words about why he likes the the the, the film and why should we should be looking at it, why uh -huh. the council should be talking about. It. He says a timely documentary for a cynical time that his grandma Percival used to tell him that she would love him no matter what he'd do or what he'd become, and he dedicated this nomination to her. Uh, and and to all those who showed uh, showed us how to love, and he's he wanted to preface this by saying he didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers um, and didn't really know anything about Fred Rogers before the documentary, and the only reason he watched this is because it received critical acclaim, and he saw Fred Rogers as dorky and discovered how wrong he was. Uh, and even though he's an adult, he still needs to hear that he's special and lovable just the way he is. And he is special. He is. And, and he's lovable, very lovable. Yeah. Just the way he is. And by the way, not just dorky, but he he actually thought Fred Rogers was a little creepy. Yeah. 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 Before watching the documentary. And and he said that was that would be a wonderful message for uh, Pantheon to spread. Won't you be my neighbor? Makes uh, makes him want to change the world. And if. Uh, and if the feeling to change the world isn't Pantheon, I don't know what is, he says. Mm. Uh, and even in the process, and he, there was other things that he said, but in the process he contacted Mr. Rogers' real-life neighbor, Benjamin Wagner, mm -hmm. who, if you want to listen to that, there is a podcast from Adventures in Video Land that yes. you can listen. Uh, and I listened to that earlier today. And he said, I came away with the conclusion that Mr. Rogers was a goddamn saint. Which, I like the phrase, mm -hmm. goddamn saint. That's uh, two. Just, it's ironic. In we there. can't say goddamn saint again. No, we'll you just did it. Oh, dang it. <clears throat> I'm sorry, we're no longer PG-13. So this documentary is more impactful than uh, the Hollywood feature-length film. And the real-life Mr. Rogers simply can't be imitated. Full disclosure, I haven't seen the full-length Hollywood film. And was avoiding watching the full-length Hollywood film. Because there are times in my life when I avoid uh, deep emotional impact, yep. uh, I, I, just for whatever reason, I'm managing my emotions a little bit. But uh, as I, I I had to watch this movie, partly for Pantheon uh, Companion, but also because Brad said. So I watched it, uh, but um, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm not sure. I still not sure I'm going to watch uh, uh, the the Tom Hanks because the emotional. 
havoc of this film was just so heavy. What's going to happen is everything that came up from this film is just going to come up watching that one too, yeah. even if that one's not quite the emotional bubbler. So, um, so from your perspective, yeah, and we like to chat about uh, for each of the nominations that we ask the question: What is unique about the this as a nomination, and what are any challenges that might be associated with this as a nomination? So, what, what in your perspective, what is what are, what are the uniqueness? What is unique about this as a nomination? I for me, per, I have one <clears throat> uniqueness that's me for me personally, and one that's unique in the concept of pantheon. For me personally, I've met Fred Rogers twice. Uh, I'm sure if he was still alive, he wouldn't remember me. He met so many people. But I met him twice, and watching the movie just reconnected for me all the uh, feelings I had from uh, connecting, watching him on TV to seeing him in real life. And then the second time when I knew I was going to actually meet him, and it wasn't a surprise... Uh, and, 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 you know, I didn't get a chance to actually talk with him. I didn't get a chance to actually talk with him, uh, personally, but getting to meet him and, you know, shake his hand. I, this was, this was, uh, unique in that I don't know what other movies we're going to be talking about. Where well, you know the stars. I've actually met them and they had an impact on me. The second thing though, I think that this is what has, this is in relation to it being a pantheon is that, and, uh, April Hawkins actually touched on this. In the terms of being a documentary, I think it was assembled and organized as well as you can. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't think you could... What was the word you used? The through line. The through line. I, I don't think I've seen a documentary with the through line done this well. Yeah. And and I, so, and I will just uh, not piggyback on what you're saying, yep. but putting what... You, just taking a step back from what you're saying... I think, again, the fact that this is a documentary and we're talking about it for Pantheon is a uniqueness because we don't, we, because Dear, Dear Zachary didn't make it in. Right. We're still, the Pantheon still doesn't have a, an exemplar of a documentary. That's a good in, one. That's a good one to right. say, oh, they should be like this. Right. You know, right. If, right. The, if, if you want a documentary in Pantheon, it should be at least like this or better. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so and I think uh, I think that's good. I grew up watching documentaries. I watched documentaries yeah. on World War II. I watched documentaries on famous people, presidents, actors, actresses. I've watched those. This one, it could be my personal connection to it, but I felt like the storyline on this one and the way it was assembled just really, just really clicked. Yep. So there's all of all the cylinders. Here we have one. We'll call it script, and I think it 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 hits it. And as a documentary, I think that's unique. Yeah. What about uh, any challenges that you might see? That, what are what are the challenges that people or council members might uh, face when deal, when thinking about this movie? I think that one of the biggest challenges is because it's a documentary, it's not as exciting. It's not thrilling. You know what's coming next. Everybody, almost everybody knows that he's passed away already. The ending isn't going to be uh, a twist. At least in Dear Zachary, the ending was like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it was like, hey, everything that you think you know about him, guess what? It's all true. Uh, and, unfortunately, like all humans, his time on Earth ended. Yeah. And I'm oversimplifying. But I still think that's a that's a challenge. Yeah, and, and so I, and I would say, like, again, like what you're saying, a challenge is, how do you judge a documentary? Yeah, well. Uh, and... and, and the council wrestled with that last time, and, and I don't think it's resolved yet in terms of people figuring out 
what standards do you apply to this movie? Because the normal ones we use don't really apply. You know, the nomination of Drew <clears throat> Zachary last year, uh, any documentary last year, actually would have helped this movie get in a little bit. It's not a challenge as much as actually a benefit in that we've already talked at some to some extent about how a documentary could be a Pantheon movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so some of those guidelines uh, are already set now. And also... Dear Zachary is a point of comparison. Sure. To won't you be my neighbor? Okay. So, so now, so last time that they there might not have been another point of comparison, but this time around the we, council the council hasn't rotated since last time. So now there's at least within the council, yep. To you know a point of comparison that that is known. Sure. Um, I would say also uh, one other challenge is that um, even though. That I admire Fred Rogers, sure. and if even if I didn't know him and I watched this movie, I would admire him because it res that the 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 kindness and light and all of that stuff resonates with me. That there are some people that really need a, a good dose of cynicism in their life. They 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 like their their world and their coffee dark and bitter. Yep. Um, and, and they need that bitterness. They're not getting it from this one. And they're not going to get it from this one. They, they, it, it is it is saccharine. You know? It, yeah. Like, there are dark... There's a little dark notes, but you're not going to get that full... If you like dark, yeah. this movie is going to be kind of hard to swallow. Yeah. You ever drink an Americana from Starbucks? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's <clears throat> just a half shot of... Of, uh, and of water, uh, 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 espresso, of and espresso, water. and a bunch of hot water, and it's not coffee, and I don't like it, and I would rather brew a cup in my Keurig than than smell a cup of Americana, and I think that if what I wanted was like that deep black, dark, rich roast coffee, as in my movie yeah. analogy here, and a cup of Americana would be like, eh, I got caffeine, I guess. So. Um... As far as uh, any uh, any, as we go into this, um, I think that we'll we'll touch on some of the insights and sure. um, uh, uh, and our own personal connections as we go through. Well, I have one other challenge. Moments. There's yeah. one other challenge here. There's there's another challenge in that, and we haven't mentioned it yet. But in watching this movie, I didn't have a fun emotional time. And if I'm gonna say, hey, this movie is Pantheon, it's essential viewing. I think you and you and you and all of our listeners should go watch this movie if they haven't yet. There's a little voice in my head that said, why would you inflict that on people? Why don't you just tell them about the movie, tell them what's in it, tell them what's good and bad about it, and then they don't have to go watch it and feel sad. Yeah. Well, and, or and, be emotional. Uh, so, and, and, um, so, and this is for, for those who are listening, that uh, Mr. Miggity, Mac, and myself, best friends for the last 12 going a little longer than 12 sure, years yeah. now working on 13 um, and, and and we know each other very well hang out all the time talk all the time we've gone through our high notes and low notes and um we've come to understand each other very well as well as understanding how each of us um while we have a lot of similarities i have some differences and yeah. how we approach things um and um for me that uh I am, uh, I'm, I'm a person who's pretty highly attuned and empathetic in terms of like what other people, what other people are feeling and I connect, but also at the same time that, um, 
I've developed or is, it was part of me in terms of how I emotionally connect and interact with people is that I, I'm kind of a fireman. You know, like I, I like I'm like I can walk fireproof. in. I'm fireproof. I can walk into the burning building and, and I, do, I don't get burned. Even no matter how dark, like, it, yeah, I, I can in some really dark moments if if I'm not in a good place or I'm not emotionally secure where I've got all my yeah, fireproof it's, gear it's on. It's not like everything. you're unemotional. You're <clears throat> just not as affected by the emotions that are going on around you. So I'm... I'm you're so aware of them, me though. Me, personally, I'm, I'm able to, uh, to live into the emotional experience yeah, of other people. Sure. And I go deep into yeah. it and I love... Uh, thinking about emotions and the flavors of emotions and and all that sort of stuff. Whereas your experience with emotions, the, yeah, I go in and then I drink them all in, and then I feel everyone else's emotions, both the real ones and the perceived ones, and I experience them personally. While you're on fire, while I'm not only on fire, I then breathe the fire, and it goes inside me, and then I light myself on fire more. Uh, I I uh, I go through this movie and I'm f- literally feeling the emotions of everyone who's telling this story. Yeah. Uh, good, bad, all of them. Because you're living their experience. I'm living their experience, literally yeah. living it, uh, f- uh, which is night and day from the way you you see. Which things. where you are living in through all of their experiences, yep. whereas I am uh, appreciating. Sure. Their experiences. Yep. Like, it, and it's just a different approach. And, and like all the viewers that you have, uh, like all, all all different viewers and all the people who are listening to us will have their own way of how they approach emotions and approach connecting to other individuals and how they deal with their own feelings. Mm-hmm. And this movie has a lot of feelings. Yeah, good and bad. Good, well, good and, and bad. sad. Yeah. I don't know about bad. Good and uh, positive and uh, and and challenging emotions. Yeah, and this part of the conversation, people, nobody, like, there might be nobody else in the whole world who cares about this particular portion of the conversation yeah, that we're maybe. having. But I would like, but but I I believe this coming back to that the challenge the, of the movie. This is a challenge of the movie is that it is wrought with emotion. Yeah, it is. And uh, and if if that's not a comfortable place for you, mm. or or at least at this moment, it's uh. not a comfortable place. It won't be a a pleasurable experience, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's let's just walk through some uh, breakdown of categories, and I hope that it was okay. No, that's fine, because uh, otherwise we can edit out that section. No, 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 no. Viewers to know. We'll I came in Brad today knowing we were going to be talking about yeah, what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so that said, uh, let's walk down through the categories where we mentioned where a pantheon movie hits on all cylinders, like acting, directing, screenplay, yep, etc. Yep, yep. Uh, so acting is not, uh, it's not so much acting in this movie because it's a documentary. Sure. However, uh, what we can talk about is the choices of those featured mm-hmm. in the movie. Right. Uh, as opposed to the acting itself is the, um, how well did the choices of who you, you know, uh, yeah. of who you chose to feature. I can think of two, two characters in this that, that actually really are standouts. One is, one is, uh, Officer, uh, Clemens. And his actual character, he he talked a lot from the heart about who he yeah. is in real life. He's one of the few characters who his Mister Rogers neighborhood character is not him. Yeah, and to the credit of the director and whoever was interviewing those mm-hmm. people, that he got them comfortable enough to talk about to be able to talk about it yes. in full depth of detail. The second one, uh, who I thought was interesting was the, and I, gosh, I can't remember his name, but the head of the congressional panel 
that oh, yeah, uh, Fred yeah. Rogers was talking to. And while he did not choose, I'm not even sure the man's still alive, but while he didn't choose to be a part of this movie, it was in a public place. And But the way he reacted uh, uh, at first, basically saying no to everybody, dismissing everybody who was talking about why public television was so important, listening to Fred Rogers talk for 90 seconds. Yeah. And then just completely 180 flipped and said, you know what? Wow, no. You literally just funded PBS. Where, yeah, yeah. He was just sitting there and then Fred just completely authentically was like, children need to be told that they're special and they're loved and that you are okay. And you could see the guy going, yeah, I needed to be told that. And I wasn't, but you were. <laughs> I thought those two characters were not only... Uh, well, everybody was genuine. They were talking about who they were and who he was. But those two characters surprised me. Yeah. Uh, even though I had actually seen a little bit of uh, the Officer Clemens character before. But I, I think those two are... And those are, I think, at least two good examples. Now, in a documentary, the director is picking and choosing which footage to include. Yep. Much like a director or the editor of any movie. But in this particular case, he's uh, he's kind of... Uh, picking and choosing the choices that the people that are interviewed make, but they but they have to be honest or else they can't you yeah. know tell the story. And the only for for me the only notable exception was Betty Lady Aberlin, who didn't show up in any of the interviews. But then uh, in reading about it later, he tried. Yeah, he tried and tried. Well, clips of her, but in she the show. she just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, coming back because she hadn't done an interview in so long. Right. Well, but I read. In interviews that she had about him, mm. and she was said, she would have said the same thing. Sure. Because interviews that she had about Fred Rogers, they were all positive. Um, um, uh, so directing, uh, it, in terms of this movie, it's not so much like laying out um, a, a cinematic story in a like a like a Marvel movie, but they you are laying out a story, a through line. Well, the director is deciding who to interview, what questions to ask them, how to cut the film, how to cut you know how to cut yeah. the shots, and we already kind of talked about that. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? No, I think he did a fine job. I mean, like I said, I don't think the through line could have been done better. Oh, and I did like um, I I think. Zach was the one who was saying it was kind of like a snooze fest for him. I didn't get that at all. No. Like I, I was not bored at any time. I, I liked the cuts. I liked the, the choices that they made. Something he did was this, this. Um, uh, in in coaching we call it pace and peak, right? Yeah. You you get the people that you're that you're working with up to a level they can maintain, and then you push them up to their peak, and then you pull them back down to this level. The director made those choices many, many times with a major emotional element, and then back off to something where you can just pace the story, pace the story, pace the story, and then something else that would affect you where he could have just went 100% on emotion, 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 emotion for the whole thing, and he didn't do it. And I think this is a good choice he made. Like I said, I think this was... That's something he did well. And I didn't feel at any of the moments that... Because there were, like, uh, chapters almost that, like... Yeah. They looked at elements and different different yeah. chapters uh, and different facets as they went through. And I didn't feel like any of them were jarring to me either. Well, I thought was... One of the things I thought was kind of interesting that he, that he would do as he was going through the chapters is he was going through... Uh, one way to look at it is he was looking at the different facets of Fred Rogers himself. Uh, like, having the tiger... Uh, talking about the tiger as being Fred Rogers, Mm -hmm. talking as himself. Later, 
he's King Friday. Later, he's another character, or actually another character yeah. than King Friday. Or, or when, is, he, when he wanted to be angry, he was uh, he was the crazy the witch aunt. <laughs> yeah, right. Which which was his sister. Yeah, right. So my my point of this is is that uh, uh, he addressed the facets of Fred Rogers through the characters Fred Rogers used. To express his own facets, if that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't know those things before watching this documentary. And as far as like and and directing and screenplay kind of tied together, kind of tied together in this in a documentary form because the screenplay mm. and the editing mm. kind of flow together in terms of the cuts and all that sort of stuff. I um, when I was watching the movie, the only kind of like loose thread where I was like, oh, what ha- I wonder what happened to. Uh, I wonder, what, like, there was two of them. I wonder what happened to that kid in the wheelchair. And I was waiting for, like, the 9-11, like, look for the helpers. He did and talk about that. the look for the helpers showed up. And then I was like, okay, well, the kid is, like, that kid in the wheelchair. That was a nice little story. And then they start playing the credits. And then, boom, they come away with, a like, a screen in yeah. on the credits of them doing the award show where the kid... It was now an adult shows up and Fred Rogers just walks over the top of the chairs, Ruby, Roberto Benini style. Yeah, right. But it wasn't to get up there. It wasn't Roberto Benini style in the in no. the sense that he was just so full of energy of himself. Fred was so full of energy of his compassion for his friend. Yep. That nobody else in the room mattered, and he was going to basically almost like walk on water to get. To talk to his friend, he just got so excited. Um, and then I was like, "Oh, that was that that was cathartic. That was nice." Well, they they kind of hinted about the, the the young man from the wheelchair. His father said, "What he and I can't remember the young man's name, Jeff." Yeah, yeah. I don't anyway, it up. what what the what that young man became is because of his experience with yeah. Fred Rogers. So I thought, "Oh, okay." So he, it's not like. Three months after this was filmed, the you know he lost his battle. That, that's not what happened. So, so what did you think about the filming of it, the cinematography, the well, the, no. the camera work, any of that? Stuff? A large percentage of the cinematography and camera work was 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 things that were shot either for the show or B roll from the show. But of the things that were shot for this movie, the show, I mean the yeah. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood show, of the things that were shot for this movie. I mean, they were shot documentary style. I mean, yep. it was uh, it was uh, one-on-one interviews and and uh, you know comfortable comfortable chairs and you know proper lighting. And there were some Pittsburgh shots where they were kind of like sure. overlaying the uh, neighborhood with Pittsburgh. I think I think a lot of that was probably from. I don't. Uh, it could have uh, been B-roll stuff. I don't yeah, know. But yeah, the, a uh, service of. You can go find video of Pittsburgh. I have no complaints about the cinematography. Nope. I think like the, the nope. camera work was done well, and the nope. stuff that was less quality was was by nature that because it was footage. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. Yeah, and if there's in my in my opinion, if there's a if there's a a, a dropped place here, um, I think that uh, I think he relied a little heavily on existing footage. Okay, so score musical score. I mean, other than Fred's music, I actually can't remember the musical Yeah, story. most of it was Fred's music that was interplayed throughout. We had the <clears> same <throat> conversation about uh, about um, uh, 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 our nomination last year. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. That the score was like, yeah. So, you know. I liked the score. I liked how I they used Fred's music. Just, I liked Fred's music. Yeah. And, if you're going to start, you do a documentary about 
Fred Rogers who plays music in and his he show. He was prolific. And he was prolific. You're going to use his he stuff. He literally could play anything. <clears throat> any, like he just played stuff, all kinds of things. There might have been some other stuff, but I, but again, like you were saying, like um, the other stuff that they use, I can't recall what it was right now right. Uh, offhand. Yeah. Um, and as for, so far I, as this special... So yeah. just real, before you go forward. So as far as cinematography and score, I didn't think either of them were bad. I just don't think either of them were particularly like exceptional okay they didn't make like musical choices that moved my emotions that i recall four out of five four and a half out of five uh, four maybe um special effects in this film that would refer to the cartoon segments. just the cartoons or the cuts <clears throat> uh which really actually is kind of cinematography come to think of it but yeah the cartoons were the special effects and uh i i think they probably got mixed reviews for a lot of reasons they were uh, you might you might say I, I remember who said the cartoons looked childish or 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 uh, it was uh, lazy or lazy whatever. unprofessional. I, I they didn't I didn't find them jarring. We already talked about them. I didn't find them jarring. Uh, I just like they were about uh, the tiger, but and that being Fred's character because Fred couldn't be here for the thing, right? But um, for the movie, but but other than that, I mean, you know, I, I, they could have done something sure. more. So from the film. Uh, things that, uh, anything that's like, what are your, some of your, uh, favorite or most impactful mo moments from watching this or things that you personally reacted to? Uh, the, the feet in the swimming pool, which happened, uh, twice during the show, but actually uh, during the movie, but actually more than two times across Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and not just with Officer, uh, Clemens, uh, with him. You know, making a point, and he—I think he did this on purpose. He knew he was talking to a generation, and then another generation of kids, and another one. He retaught the same lessons, but uh, washing your feet in a pool, and then whoever walks up, regardless of what color they were or whatever, hey, we can all wash our—we can all put our feet in the pool together. You know, he was making a social statement. There were several other social statements: the the young the young breakdancing kid, the young man in the wheelchair. We talked about. Uh, those kind of little waypoints, some of them I remember seeing, some I didn't see. They were in the Mr. Rogers neighborhood that was after my sort of time period with in the neighborhood. But um, those those points, I think, were very memorable for me. Yeah, so uh, a number of things uh, standing out. Um, one, no, like, no topic was... <laughs> like. Most topics weren't off limits. No, he would talk about anything from <clears throat> the homosexuality first week, to interracial to. The first week was about death and war. Yeah. Like the first week was about King Friday was afraid, so he's going to build a wall. So they're sending love messages over. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and then about asking what's assassination and uh, and all those things. Um, so the. Uh, that was a radical portion of it that that he wanted to um, just kind of infect his world with kids need to talk about this stuff, but at their level. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing was that the unbending um, discipline that he had to live his life on a moral code to say, I want to meet the kids where they're at. And it was who he was. Yeah. The world... The world went on around him doing all, all sorts of other stuff, but he was focused on this. Yeah. Um, and he was prolific, not just on piano, but prolific in loving kids at at that moment. And I thought that was right. that was powerful. In a, in a completely pure, from a completely 
pure way of expressing it. Like, yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the, his, 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 uh, the jokes that he was doing with the guy taking pictures of his butt and then he gave a, he gave a poster of his butt for a Christmas present months later. Uh, the, the, uh, Francois, who is a, a gay man who, uh, that, um, that he told him, like, I love you and, uh, just the way you are. And then he said, you, you were talking to me. He was like, I've been saying that for two years. Yeah. You just haven't been listening. You just weren't listening. Um, and then, uh, also, for me personally, that the song where uh, where the, Betty was talking about um, how Fred Rogers was talking through Daniel the Tiger of and like we had well established that this is who that person is, and then he was talking about sometimes I feel like a fake, sometimes I feel like I'm a mistake, and it was the song that he was singing, right? And like I just. Like, you no, know, I identify fully totally to my I'm deep core with that. In. And that Betty was saying, and instead of having a resolution to that song, where he says, where I say, no, you're not. And, he, he, and then the cheap answer would be, okay, I guess I'm not. That instead, that she's singing her part about you're okay. And he then sings again his own struggle with being a mistake. And they have a beautiful duet about... You're fine. You're, I love you the way you are. And he's singing, I, I feel like a mistake. And it's beautiful, but it kind of represented this constant struggle that, that exists. But this is what life is about, is that us working together to make beauty out of the struggle that we have together. And, and for me, that just it, it cuts to the core. On top of the fact, then, also of the struggles that we get to see about Mr. Rogers, who lived a life, as Brad would say, as a goddamn saint, who then also struggled himself, struggled with himself personally about, am I doing the right thing? Am I making any difference at all? Or at the very end of his life, in his last breaths, wondering if he was worthy. And, like, I get that struggle to my core. Sure. Uh, So that resonated with me. Yeah, Yeah, sure. I thought that the duet was interesting in that Mr. Rogers spent so much time, like when he when he testified in front of Congress, saying children, not just children, people need to know that they are loved and that they are okay, that they're fine the way they are, that they are special. And yet, in his mind, there's this looping tape saying, but not you. Yeah. Now he didn't say, he didn't say that, but that's part of the message of this yeah. of this story. Yeah. This, and that you know, the struggling with him being Fat Freddy when he was a kid and all that sort that, of stuff. That yeah. that that uh that that rang a bell in my head. It wasn't a major uh, thing as a kid I wasn't I wasn't an overweight kid. I'm an overweight adult, but I wasn't an overweight kid, but uh that rang a bell because while I wasn't an overweight kid, I was convinced I was. And so that whole Fat Freddy thing, I could see how there's a lot of people who would be listening to that and be like, yeah, that was me as a kid too. Maybe not now, but it was. Mm. You know, uh, they made the comment of uh, of his weight. Yeah. He said he weighed 143. 143 pounds for his entire adult life, never more and never less, but 143 being 
Yeah, I, I love, love you. you. Yeah, but, and, and that's actually pretty big amongst the kids these days. I understand. Yeah. I I mentioned it to my youngest daughter. Well, I say youngest; she's twenty two, and she was like one four three. I love you. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you knew that already. And she was like, everybody knows that. <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> Dad, you old fogey. <clears throat> Um, so this movie won a number of awards. Did it? Uh, Golden Trailer got Best Documentary, Critics' Choice Documentary, gave it Best Director, Best Editing, Producers Guild, gave it Outstanding Producer of a Documentary, Independent Spirit Award, uh, gave it Best Documentary, um, and uh, um, which is which is fun. Independent Spirit did it Award. Did win an Oscar? Is, uh, it did not. <laughs> a Golden Globe? It didn't win any of those major awards. All right, that's fine. Uh, I'm all right with that. The, uh, But it was originally going to be called the Radical Mr. Rogers. Uh, no. But, but at the time, the, the, the use of the term radical it started... It meant something else. Started meaning other things. Uh, but he was a radical individual. This, this, this clergyman who... Uh, he was a clergyman. He was a, mm-hmm. an ordained minister. He was... One of the first, he was probably the first televangelist. Literally, That's he was he was he was put in a mission field interesting, to yeah. go to television to be a missionary. Sure. So he was really probably the first televangelist, or at least press the Presbyterian churches, without ever saying uh, you need to you need to like turn or burn. Uh, right, right, right. You wouldn't know that from anything else, but you do know the kindness of the God that he serves. Sure. From the life that he he led and modeled. Yes. Um, uh, there's a section in there with Coco, the ape, the 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 signing ape, uh, mm-hmm. or, um, who faithfully watched his show every day. So when they when, when they sat down together because Co- they wanted him to meet Coco. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Coco started taking off his shoes because that's what he does that's every what time. That's he does every time. I got to <laughs> say, when we were watching this movie, uh, there was, it was past the, the, the scene with Coco, the scenes, plural, with Coco. Uh, we had paused it for something, I think, uh, go get a drink or bathroom or whatever. The point is, we, I came back and sat down and my wife said, you know, uh, that scene with, the, with, with Coco, I was frightened the entire time that she was going to hurt him. So for her, seeing that scene was like a, a, a yeah. end of her seat. Me, I was like, "Oh, it's Coco. She loves everybody." Yo, yo, it's Coco. <laughs> she loves everybody. I don't think she's hurt anyone in her life, as far as I know. Um, so at the end of this uh, film, there's a dedication to Marsha Pierce Neville. That is Marcia the director's is mom. The term. Yeah, the Neville's mother, and she died during the the making of this documentary, wow. um, and uh, so. Betty Aberlin, who plays Lady Aberlin, mm-hmm. fun facts about her. She was in the movie Dogma yeah, as a nun and uh, also in Zack and Miri Make a Porno, uncredited. What did she do in Zack <laughs> and know. Mary Make a Porno? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Did she uh, make a porno? No, she didn't. Uh, she was also the original choice to play Barbara in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead in 1968, but Fred... Did not think that would be a good idea given her connection to the show at the time. He was probably right. Probably. Probably right. Uh, So let's let's, uh, do a a quick guess on what we think the council is going to do. We know Brad's going to be a yes. I'm guessing Uh, Brad's a yes. I just saw today that Kyle had posted something and his vote was uh, a hesitant yes. But he said, but it was a a, a yes nonetheless. A yes nonetheless. Um, so we've got the rest of them. Uh, 
you can make a grand prediction or you can make individual prediction. I don't have any individual predictions on So, 11 uh, votes. Marshall, Wayne, Rachel, Matthew, Nathan, Ryan, Jeremy. Jeremy get it, gave a documentary. Is he going to be salty that his didn't get in, so now he's going to take down Brad? Or is he going to go, I like oh, documentaries. Maybe. Well, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, so, uh, let's, I'm going to look at it from this standpoint. Because I, I, I don't know wh- what all of the individuals will say. I think I know what two will say. Yeah, but uh, but eleven votes. I believe the Facebook poll will be a yes. So we got three. Uh, We only need four left. We only need four more. Uh, I think it's going to be either on the margin, like at seven to five, like between five and seven yeses. So I'm going to say it's going to make it in. I'm like I'll be bold. Uh, I think it might make it in. Yeah. So, but I I think that just historically there are there are people who there are people on the council who have very specifically high standards about about movies, and because it's documentary, they're gonna feel they're going to feel like there's certain categories it can't possibly get. So therefore, it's gonna default to a no. So for me, given our experience, you Mm -hmm. and me as we watch this. Given what it, what I read from Brad, given what I saw from Kyle, uh, given what I know about how it rates compared to Saving Private Ryan, which is currently in, and having looked at all the reviews, the critic reviews, where there's like those ratings you're talking almost about. no middle ones, but almost all positive. I just feel that it statistically speaking, it's a this is safe to say it, that yes. of the uh, of the seven that are left. You need four of those, and so we're looking a little over half. Uh, we got we got seven plus uh, plus Robert. So, right. but I'm thinking that out of that, that getting four shouldn't be hard for this movie. Okay, that's but that's I uh, think it's possible. I've been wrong before. I'm not sure when. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so th- that's what I say. Life Aquatic. You were very wrong about Life Aquatic. But me personally. I think it should be in. So, I uh, am torn. You're in the five to seven range, <laughs> personally. I have not made up my mind, but I'm going to vote before we wrap up this podcast. So, here's the thing. I'm torn for two reasons. One, do I think Fred Rogers, uh, this, do I think this story should be essential viewing? I do. Do I think this director did a hell of a good job putting together a documentary? Yep. Do I think that it's possible that the feature film about Fred Rogers will be more of a Pantheon uh, candidate than this documentary? Yep. I do think that's a possibility. And then also, do you think that there are other documentaries that are out there that are an even better representation of what Pantheon should be than this movie? I don't think there are. And if that's the case... Then we're looking at best of its genre. I guess. And if this is the best Except of its genre, then it should logically be Pantheon. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you there. I'm just saying there may be documentaries in the future that build on the successes of this one that do an even better job that will absolutely be Pantheon. That was, and that was my question. Yeah, right? Is that, that maybe in your head that that is a possibility. It is. And... and I'm going to vote yes. So you're with Kyle on a hesitant yes. Sure. Yeah, you should have been his guest voter. 
think I'm uh, I think I'm not. I think yeah, it's you. I am. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. We but strongly Kyle, disagreed on Life Aquatic. But Kyle, which he keeps bringing up every single time I talk to him. And here's the thing: while I disagree with him on Life Aquatic, Kyle loves me deeply and fully, as only a man could do. And uh, Kyle is. Not even on the fence about me. He has an open disdain for me. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and, and, he, sometimes people are wrong. Yeah. He, he looks <laughs> at me and says, you are the anti-Fred Rogers, Doug Prime. That's what he says. Well, we both say yes, and I have been... We are we are joking about that, by of the way. Kyle is are, a beautiful Kyle. man through and through. I love Kyle back. Uh, we love we love Kyle and I love Kyle. We're both more yes. more than I should. Like, I, agree. I love him deeply and fully. And fully as yeah. a man should. As only a man can. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're so, both in the yes camp, but here's the thing. My yes is not a full on like, yep, this one too. My yes is a I think as a documentary this did a hell of a good job. All right. So this brings us to some, uh, we'll go ahead and vote on the Facebook poll then, yeah. our votes. And then uh, we encourage you all, if you're listening and you haven't voted yet, to go ahead and vote on the Facebook poll. Please if, do. Uh, I watched this on HBO, and you can find it on HBO if HBO you have an HBO. For freeze. Uh, or, or for your subscription. Yeah, if you have a subscription. Or if you have your friend Miggity Max subscription. You know what I didn't look? I didn't look to see if it was on <clears throat> Apple TV. I think it's on Hulu as well, maybe. I'm not sure. You know what? You could do one of those like searchy search things with the like, Google machine. Stream. Yeah. Won't you be my neighbor online free? Yeah. On and the you, Google machine, and it'll tell it. you. It'll All right. tell you. This brings us to our closing thoughts here tonight. Um, so Brad end his, ended his nomination by saying, "I hope won't you be my neighbor sparks a bit of hope in these cynical times, and I hope it inspires us to be helpers and better people in 2020." Happy New Year, Video Land. Let's. Uh, end this with a ten seconds of silence for all the people who helped us become who we are. So I'm going to encourage you as the listeners. I'm going to come back after the ten seconds, but I'm going to encourage you to just take ten seconds to think about somebody in your life who helped you become who you are and cared about you. And I'll, don't worry, I'll count it off for you. There it is. There it is. Those people are special. I thought of them. So, as always, I hope you enjoyed our conversation tonight. Where can Video Land find you, Mr. Miggity Mac? Well, on Facebook or, you know, at, on campus. At <clears throat> and uh, same for me. You can find me on the Facebook or walking around campus, uh, yeah. Purdue as well. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, this is you can find Adventures in Video Land on Instagram or on our website Adventures in Video Land. But the conversation, as always, begins and ends on Facebook. You have been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Video Landers, and we normally pretend like we don't have a good ending, but we but do. We do this time. We, we love, love you. you.